Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Well, the All-Ireland Hurling final has sort of snuck up upon us, hasn't it? Yeah, a little. You know, I think it, maybe it happens with replays, does it? Um, the, well, it happens the, if there's an All-Ireland football final on in between times, I think. Probably a fair Taking point. up a lot of column inches, as they say. But the, I remember the after the replay last year, um, the Kilkenny-Galway match, after the first game, I should say, there's a lot of analysis, because it hadn't happened in so long. I remember yeah, the last time was. Yeah, was the last one, yeah. There was almost this idea of what what are the players supposed to do, what are the managers supposed mm. to do. This is really complicated stuff, and I thought it's, it's actually pretty simple. You just relax for a few days, then you get back training, then you ramp it up a small bit, and you go and play the replay. But it does genuinely seem to be an issue. It certainly was for Galway because they didn't get it right. But does that that just brings back to one of the great truisms of sport: the team with the better players, yeah, usually wins the match, yeah, especially in a replay. Yeah, I think that that was uh, that was proven last year, unfortunately. And uh, I, th- I think that, you know, Clare are in a brilliant position now, I think, you know, that they've played so well, they've gotten a, a, an experience of the Ireland, of the Ireland final, mm. uh, they have a load of, like, sort of good vibes from the drawn game to draw on, but I said the exact same thing last year about Galway. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's, it's a strange one, you know, it's, it is kind of hard to get it's that It's funny, we talked about right. young players on the show on Tuesday and how some of, it was the Dublin footballing older players who kind of dragged them through and got them over the line and the young guys maybe didn't have the necessary experience but then Claire blew that out of the water last time by playing ridiculously well kind of from the start there's no reason why they can't play that well again I don't know is it the best team that always wins a replay again? Well the team with the better players usually I mean I always think of Crystal Palace yeah Crystal Palace in 1990 you know three always as good as they were going to do I mean it's it's I mean, Brighton as well against Man United. Man United have done that to a few teams. Yeah. Um, Hammered them 4-0 in the replay. But they? if you've got, you know, an, an underdog is unlikely to come out. I mean, I suppose they're doing well to draw. So then to come and win the replay. Phew, I can't think of too many times that happens. Yeah, this is different, though, because uh, there aren't underdogs. And it does really genuinely look like they're two pretty even teams. And the sort of weight of history and all the rest of that, I really don't think that's an issue. This were they year. underdogs the first time? No, I I, no. Well, they were slight underdogs, I think. I think a lot of people were going for core. Yeah, but this takes uh, you back out to... Out of muscle memory more so than anything else, I think. It takes you back to the idea that every person I heard tipping up Dublin was saying, well, you know, the, the 
the consensus is Mayo, but I'm going to go for Dublin. And actually, nobody's tipping up Mayo. So I don't even know anymore. It doesn't really matter. Who's yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that there was a consensus last week. And I'm pretty certain there's not going to be consensus this week. We're going to talk to Kenneth Egan on today's show. We'll be chatting to, very shortly to Nicky English and Christy O'Connor on the hurling. Kenneth Egan has just finished up at the Irish Boxing Press Conference. They were naming the team for the World Amateur Championships, which are coming up soon in Kazakhstan. No John Joe Nevin in that one, which is probably the most interesting point. It looks as though he's going professional. Uh, was, there was the weird situation with Amir Khan. Do you remember yeah. this last year where uh, he was on national TV talking about his pro deal, which kind of fell through. So looks like he might make that happen this time. Michael Conlon had an interesting comment saying that I'm going to go over, try to win the world title. At that point, I might go professional too because that's when all the offers are going to come in. And it's a kind of fair point that I, I don't know how it generally works, but I suppose you're only in the public eye for the, the professional sharks for, only, for so long. Yeah, um, I find it a bit puzzling that they didn't just go and do it last oh, the, year. Oh, the Nevin one. Yes, I'm yeah. confusing matters with Conlon here. Yeah. Nevin, uh, particularly, because, I, you know, I, I saw him. He was really, really good at the Olympics. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know I have a lot about boxing. But you could see this guy had talent. I mean, I watched a lot of boxing at the Olympics, and he was one of the outstanding fighters. Yeah, he was in line, but certainly the Irish guys were pushing him for the Boxer of the Tournament Award before he obviously got beaten in the finals. Yeah. So but, you know, he was right. hugely entertaining, and maybe, maybe in a way, that's why I rated him so highly, because as, as someone who is essentially a complete novice when it comes to analysing boxing, uh, when somebody has that kind of showy style that Nevin had, it sort of it does make them it does make them stand out. You're like the Paddy oh, Barnes, Paddy Barnes scrapping style wasn't doing it as much for you, even though he's won a couple of Olympic bronze medals. Yeah, I, Nevin just he seemed really talented. So I I sort of assumed well you've got a silver medal. I mean, ultimately I remember his his final he 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 deserved to lose the yeah, was, the fight. It wasn't Campbell, wasn't the, one of those oh British we sh- we should have won. It wasn't yeah. like Egan maybe the the previous year mm-hmm. had a some or in 2008 rather Beijing yeah um but yeah I, I couldn't understand I mean if you've already won the silver sure you could stick around and get a goal but you could also have a really big career potentially in pro boxing and it seemed like you should yeah I, I think I think actually that we've done really well in keeping as many of our amateur boxers for as long as we've kept them because you know you would think that the pro game is such a appetizing prospect <clears throat> now obviously it's an extremely you know, a dodgy business and there's no guarantees, but we have some amazingly talented boxers and we have managed to hang on yeah, to them. Yeah, but this thing of managing to hang on to them, if you're working for Irish amateur boxing, sure, that's the phraseology yeah. is perfectly applicable, but I don't, as a sports fan, I'd rather see one or two of the guys go pro. I'd love to see how John Joe Nevin would do as pro. Yeah. And we still have loads of people, loads you, of boxers yeah. around. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'd love to see if he could become a world champion. So exciting it was with Bernard Dunn when he did yeah. it, with Wayne McCullough. I was about to say with Barry McGuigan slightly before my time, but that created a huge yeah. excitement as well. I, there, there's never going to be a massive flood all in one go, so you've still got a huge amount of talent in amateur boxing and enough to win medals at major championships that you, I think you can afford, from a general sport point of view, I think we can afford to yeah. allow one guy to fly the nest. Yeah. No, I'm, you know, I'm just... My experiences of pro boxing, you know, it's, it's such a tough business. It's such an unbelievably tough business that I would just be... I would much your rather... experiences of pro <laughs> no, boxing. What are you talking about? No, what are you actually talking about? No, my... what is your experience of pro boxing? Well, watching it and talking to people who are involved in pro boxing, you know, it's oh, yeah. it's kind of grim. Like yeah. you know, it's grim. It almost, can be grim. It's to almost exclusively, it's a great, it's a grim business. You know, it wasn't too grim when we were there at that night in the point. Yeah, that was is it the O two at that, that stage. The O two, yes, that is when uh, Bernard Dunn won the world title. But I do take your point that. It, doesn't always work out that way. The TV show last night, Second Captain's Live. Hope everybody enjoyed it. We had a good time. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, the penalty taking, it's becoming a big issue now. Oh, that's taken over from the good world. Why can nobody score? Why can professional footballer isn't it's all one, Ireland winning? One out of six. Oshin McConville's the Oshin McConville was score. quick to get in touch this morning, Ken. Was he? Yeah, he said yeah. he enjoyed the show, yeah. uh, watching it from afar this week. He's been involved in both our pilots. He's been involved in the first, first two shows. Goals. So he watched it from afar. said he enjoyed it. He did add a footnote that he's still the only one to score a penalty. Yeah. You know, and I think... To me, I remember Rishi McConnell's penalty. I was quite impressed by the way he took it, actually. You're like, Wait. okay, you can see this guy, you know, actually knows his way around the football. <laughs> you know In what a I mean? way that Richie Sadler doesn't, is that what you're saying? Well, Richie, uh, Richie already missed one before in the pilot. Nah, Richie's, the, the head's gone there. Richie's never going to score so, a penalty. So this time he, he decided to go for power and he, and he nicked the outside of the, the post. Was nearly, he was going for the top corner. Nearly a great penalty. But I still don't really. know what happened with Jerry Brennan's penalty because it was a camera obstructing my view. I had to actually it scream was over to you to find out. It, no, no. It's, it, it actually hit the mat that Shane Curran, it's there to protect Shane Curran. And then flicked up off the bar. And, it? and hit the bar. But I think, I think no, Curran got touching it as well. It hit Shane Curran's leg. Yeah. Now see, I was like, talking to Shane Curran about this. Obviously, quite pleased with how these penalties have been going. <laughs> and uh, he was saying that McConville's penalty only went in because, because it hit the it mat, hit the mat yeah. and it kind of hopped over his leg. No, but I don't. I don't think so. I'm not I think it I think McConville actually deftly sent him the wrong way. Mm. Chrissy O'Connor, Chrissy O'Connor is on the line with Nicky English to look ahead to Saturday, lads. Nicky, is there anything first of all that can be learned from the football final at the weekend? Maybe Mayo, despite starting well, didn't go and drive at home. They didn't really grab the occasion. Is that the is that the lesson that you have to go out and grab these occasions by the throat? Yeah, well, well, I suppose that's that's what you that's what you hope you're uh, going to do in any of these big games, really, where you just uh, you know you get everyone up and running early, and uh, that, that 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 you know it's that you get a good start, and that you actually kick on from there, and that as many players as possible on your team uh, play to their potential at least, and uh, hopefully to win, they might they might they might find something in themselves that you know that they, they play a little bit above what they're capable of, and uh, that's I mean that's that's the the job of management on, on both sides and you know so I, I suppose it, it's uh, rather than looking at the football I suppose really you're kind of drawn to looking at the, the drawn match mm. more to actually give you a pointer as far as for the uh, replay and I suppose in that regard Claire did that from the start in the replay played played really well um, they a lot of their players played to their to their to their best and uh they won most positions in the field. Uh, I'm a fairly simple, simple believer that if you win nine out of the fifteen positions, unless you get very unlucky, you 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 win. Uh, Clare probably won thirteen positions out of the fifteen, and uh, for some unknown reason, yeah. uh, they didn't win. So you know, we're here talking about it again. And uh, for me, I um, felt before the match that it would be close and that Cork might just sneak it. Uh, I came out of the match saying I cannot believe that Clare didn't win the match and that they'll I'll turn around and they'll hammer them the next day. And as the period since the final has gone on, I've kind of come around full circle to being totally confused again <laughs> and uh, back saying that, you know, well, maybe Cork were so bad, they can't be as bad again. Clare were really good. Can they be as good again? And uh, now I'm back to really not knowing, but giving Cork a real chance <laughs> where... I came out of the match the last week saying they should have been hammered and uh, that if Clare, Clare are much better than them and should hammer them. And uh, I'm, I've am i moved away from that. You're uh, confusing us. Thinking, I have no idea who you think is going to win this game. Of, uh, I don't know what's going on now. Um, I, well, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't fully sure the last day who was going to win it. And after 70 minutes gone, 
you know, I still didn't know really who was going to win it, you know, and like they've played four or five times. They've drawn, they've drawn, effectively they've drawn twice. They've drawn two of the biggest games they've yeah. played. There wasn't much in it in the Munster final. I'm, We'll, we'll, we'll hold on. We'll hold on for your prediction just towards the end of the conversation. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see if you can come to a consensus in your own mind there. At some stage, Christy, the, I think it's the sixth time now. As Nicky says, they played five times already. Uh, there's generally, you know, there's the cliche, I guess, that familiarity breeds contempt and all this kind of stuff. But the matches so far, even on the most tense occasion in All Ireland final, have been. And I know Davy Fitzgerald has talked a bit about this. Been very clean, you know, quite quite reasonably open hurling and certainly. Quite clean here. Any any reasons believe that the two teams are suddenly going to start hating each other this weekend? Um, I don't think so. And I think look at, um, you know, the Cork have played twelve games this year. Like this is going to be their their sixth time meeting Clare on Sunday. So this is fifty percent of Cork's games have been against Clare this year. So I don't think there's a whole lot more that that either team can actually find out about one another. Um, like I would say that look at Cork would probably feel, you know, I know for a fact that they were very very annoyed with themselves their work rate and, the, and their you know, you know giving, giving up so much possession to clear the last 10 I think that you know from within the clear camp you know clear feeling that you know Cork going to ratchet up the aggression and they're going to ra- ratchet up the physicality and clear kind of ready for that but um, I don't think I don't think so I think the big thing as Nicky referred to there is um, clear won so many individual battles the last day uh, you know, wiped out the Cork attack um, you know you could really say that probably Shane O'Neill was probably the only Cork player that won his individual battle. You would have said Anthony Nash played well. Like Seamus Harnady played very well, but you know Conor Ryan got man of the match. Um, you know Conor O'Sullivan played well, but you know he, Podge Collins did massive damage on him in the first 25 minutes. So really, you would say O'Neill was probably the only guy, along with Nash, that you know um, could hold his hand up. Like even Horgan, you know, two unbelievable scores got got the great uh, you know the, the score to to put Cork ahead, but you know only made four plays in the game. Pat Cronin only had two possessions throughout the game, so like very hard to see all those guys being as poor again. So you know, but even I was you know looking at some of the comments made by Conor McGrath this morning in, in the paper, and he said that you know he absolutely loved the whole day, like and that um you know really enjoyed before the game and all of that, and then the Clare boys really seemed to embrace it and um really seemed to kind of take to it, and you know maybe maybe Cork now that you know a lot of these Cork players on. They, you know, they don't. They didn't have that culture of playing on big occasions and playing on big days. And I, I think with, with Cork this year, that the, the biggest, um, you know, improvement really has been their their character and their resilience and their spirit. Like because you know, if Cork were in that position this time last year, there's absolutely no way they'd have won that game or they would, they would have got something out of the game. They would have probably given up the match. And I think the Kilkenny game really, you know, was a massive turning point in Cork season. Um, you know that you know they were the team that actually took down eventually took down the the All Ireland champions. I know Dublin had beaten them, but you know Cork knocked them out. And you know I suppose they felt they maybe had a new identity about themselves and their performance against Dublin. Copper fastened that identity, and you know I'm just wondering did Cork maybe believe that that identity and given how well they they played that perception of themselves and how well they played against Clare in the Munster semi final that they did they feel that they were a little bit complacent and that they maybe felt it was going to happen again and that they had Clare's number and, you know, yeah, if they, if they felt they were, that, like, yeah. they were absolutely, you know, Clare just absolutely wiped them out. Like, when you look at, you know, Cork attack at the possession eight times in the, in the first half, 22 times, made 22 plays overall, like, it's just, you know, the goals really were, were all that, that saved um, Cork because they were, you know, you were just saying to yourself, how in the name of God are Cork in this game? Yeah, that's something that maybe 
does go back to the football a little bit in that there's one theory that Mayo maybe felt that they were due this year. They, they'd paid their dues. They'd clearly done that. And they uh, had come back strongly from last year and maybe just felt that they didn't have to go out and actually take it so I don't know maybe there was something there that, that Cork felt something similar just based on tradition or whatever but to put, I remember speaking to you Chrissy ahead of the first game and you raised the point that whatever about Cork's tradition it's Clare who have the recent tradition of underage hurting success and Tony Kelly for example is playing in his I think it's his fifth All-Ireland final now in between minor under 21 and uh, and a couple of senior finals now which is staggering given, um, <laughs> given the guy's age so these Clare guys is there any reason to believe that they won't go out with the same mindset, the same positive frame of mind, the same relaxed attitude to the game that they went in with the first day. No, I, I think you know even more so on that. You know that they, they've it's an, it's been another big day out for them. As you know, I referred to Conor McGrath's comments. You know how much he enjoyed the whole day. Like Tony Kelly, he, I think he, the line was, "Where else would you want to be on a Saturday evening in front of eighty thousand people?" And these guys have grown up on 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 big days. You know, and, and they believe they're. Um, you know, they believe, like, you know, even I said about the tradition, and I, I actually remember, like, you know, I was lucky enough to be in the dressing room in 99 when Dalo's last, um, ca- last game as captain, and, you know, we were, Claire were playing Kilkenny that day, and, um, you know, Cork Rowley in the final, Kilkenny were favourites to get to the final, and, you know, Dalo said, you know, to the to the panel before we went out on the pitch, like, that, you know, look at Cork in the final, everybody's expecting a traditional final. He says, well, we're the tradition now. And, like, you know, that was something that the Clare team never had before, that they had that mindset. They believed they were the best. And, you know, when you look at the Clare boys now with their stack of underage medals, like, Clare feel they're the tradition now. On. So, like, you know, they, they wouldn't have any, you know, they have never lost to Cork and underage, the majority of these younger guys. Um, you know, they would genuinely see Cork as being, I won't say inferior to them, but they would feel that they have absolutely no reason to be bound down to Cork or to have any hang-ups with Cork. Yeah, sounds like a healthy mindset, Nicky. Yeah, I think I think so. I, I'm actually interested in <clears throat> to hear. Um, I hadn't heard Conor McGrath's comments about, you know, he really enjoyed it and he loved it. And um, you know, I, I actually think that there's a slight danger for Clare um, uh, that you know they, they, the All Ireland final came. I think in some ways came very easy to them. You know, they um, they played very well. It was their first All Ireland final, and it wasn't really. You know, there was a there was a, a second of, of of danger when when they were a point down unbelievably at the end of it, which they fought their way out of. But there wasn't really much adversity really through the whole thing. In it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Christy was it was there in uh, Tipperary in 1999 when they drew with Clare, having should have beat them the first day, and there were a lot of young players on that. And actually, they, their feeling afterwards, and I and I actually uh, remember reading back afterwards some of the comments were, were that they were. They they really enjoyed it and this was great and it was fantastic, but I mean, Claire, that Clare team in '99 went away and they hammered themselves for a week, for for a full week and I'm sure, Cork have been hammered all over the place, and it, not least by themselves over the last two or three weeks, and uh, you know in relation to their performance in, the, in you know I think they didn't hurl at all their their touch was bad their work rate was probably poor and Clare in the interim have gone away and had a procession to an under 21 All Ireland final where. You know they were able to take off players who, you know, and give them a, you know, they got a lap of honour coming off the pitch really and uh, standing ovations and you just, I, 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 all I hear about the Clare team is that they're they're good lads and they're, you know what I mean. But it's 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 a it's a huge um it's a big ask for a young team really to to be able to to assimilate all that and there might be just a slight danger that they might think this is this is easy you know what I mean and uh, that 
maybe they maybe they won't underperform, but it's not it's not just as easy to um, prepare a team that's that's coming off having won a match that they didn't win, won an All Ireland under twenty one in the interim versus going in to prepare Cork who are you know uh, not happy with their own performances, couldn't be happy with their own performances individually as a team. Uh, I've heard since that you know Cork thought that they got they got totally carried away with the um, with the tactical approach of Clare and how they were going to deal with the sweeper, etc., and maybe in some instances forgot that it was all about hurling. So it, it, it would be, Cork have the easier preparation. I would have thought, even though you know there is a much healthier, healthy mindset mm. in Clare, the danger is that it could be it could be too healthy. That'd be my worry for that. But at the same time, you know, Clare probably better than Cork, but it, it won't be the um, Cork's, Cork's mindset will be uh, much better, I think, going into the drawn match. Yeah, a lot of the replay. No, it's interesting. A lot of the analysis, even coming into the replay, is about Clare's tactics again. Does David Fitzgerald stick with what he did last time, or will Cork see that coming? And does he employ a sweeper and all those kind of things? Can I ask you, though, Chrissy, about Cork's side of things? It doesn't seem to be talked about quite as much. What do they have to do differently, regardless of what Clare do, to win on Saturday? First of all, I think Mickey's point is absolutely excellent about, you know, the, that whole mindset in Cork. And I know for a fact that, you know, like Cork were, the words that somebody within the camp said to me was they were embarrassed by their work rate. They were, like, they couldn't get over how, we say, poor some of their players had played. Now, you know, and obviously, you know, sometimes you're only allowed to play, you know, you, you only play as, as well as you're allowed. But, um, you know, I think that there's no way you can expect, you know, Pacron in, in particular, like their best ball winner to only have, the ball in his hand twice. Lack like, of work rate sounds incredible, Chris. I would have thought that's just a, a given in an All Ireland final that you're going to work as hard as you've ever worked in your life. But uh, look at the, just to give you a stat. I don't want to be overloading with stats, but like breaking ball, rook ball stat, it was it was thirty nine twenty one, which is two almost double, right? So like you know, and and that just comes down to that raw aggression and that raw, and you know maybe maybe it, it comes back to Cork's mentality that you know, and I think the puck out stat was. Um, you know, very, very relevant. Thirty-two, twenty, and like you know, in in the uh, the Munster semi-final in June, you know, Cork bombed a lot of ball down on top of their half forward and they actually did well that day. And I suppose, you know, maybe when you when you when when they, maybe they felt Clare were going to play with a sweeper, and when you know you have an extra man maybe out the pitch, even though Clare pull a lot of bodies out, and there is an awful lot of extra men anyway, you know, that maybe Nash didn't have that that um those target points that, that he had. You know that he maybe felt he would have had, and I just felt Cork played very narrow as well. That you know, like if you looked at you know sometimes Cron- some of Cronin's big plays against Dublin, where he was coming onto the ball, he was moving out to the wing. Like whereas he was like Bogler did the same as he did with him in the league final or the relegation league final, was just kind of spoiling him and, and getting in his face and just disrupting his his uh, you know any any capacity to win that ball. So you know to go back to your point on about um, your mentality. Obviously, it is a given, but I just think the you know the one thing Cork don't have. If you look at the, the Cork teams in the past, right? You know, there's very few guys in that Cork team that actually have an aggressive mindset and that have a kind of um, you know that they're 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 just they're pure hurlers. And Jimmy Barry has always picked, he's always gone for pure ball players, and he's always felt that you know he he would always pick a player like that ahead of maybe somebody with a bit more physicality. And look at when it works as it did against Dublin. You know, they're they're an untouchable team, really. Like, they're, they're class players and they're beautiful hurlers. And, you know, Clare just felt, I suppose, the reason Clare abandoned the sweeper was, you know, they felt that they, they would win every individual battle at the back. You know, Lorcan McLaughlin was, you know, the most influential player um, on the pitch against Dublin. Um, you know, they focused very, very heavily on shutting him down. Like, he was absolutely obliterated by Pat Donlan. Um you know, so 
you know, and when when you're struggling to to win ball and you're you're struggling to get on the ball, and you know, like Clare just felt that if they could make it a battle in the middle third, which it was for a lot of the game, they couldn't themselves be, they couldn't see themselves being beaten because a lot of Clare's game is based on you know pushing high up. Maybe and, you know sometimes when you know they did play the sweeper, their half back line pushes that bit higher up, and you know it enables them to win more breaks in the middle third. But you know, look at Cork, we're absolutely obliterated in in, in those categories, and I just feel that you know, look at I was fairly confident of Clare chances going into, into were, the draw yeah, game yeah. but I still would be confident but I wouldn't be anywhere near as confident as I was before the draw match I just think that you know okay Clare will improve you'd be hoping from a Clare perspective but I think Cork have so much room for improvement and you know they are stung like and a lot of those guys have had to listen to a lot of stick as Nicky referred to so you know you, I just can't see Cronin and Horgan and you know look at Horgan is you know Horgan's display the last day was you know obviously very very dynamic like when you look at you know had the ball in his hand three times got two great scores like but for me you know okay the ball isn't going in but you know I feel I don't know what Nicky thinks Horgan has to be involved in the game more than four plays you can't be expecting your best forward to be you know to be to be that you know peripheral in a match like that Nicky what do you think you know absolutely I, I agree totally I, I think that that like they'll I think they'll, they'll get they'll get Horgan more into it but they'll I think as a group, they'll be much more into it. You know, they will be stung. And like, like a couple of balls stood out for me in the last day. You know, where I think it was even after the the, the, the save that that Nash made from from uh, Collins. You know, he, he gave a good clearance. I think it was out to Daniel Carney, or it might have been shortly after that. And a simple ball, Daniel Carney dropped it out of his hands, and, and there put it over the bar. You know, like Cork were just their touch was absolutely horrendous the last day, and it never really they never got into it at all. So. I'd, um, I I think they will, that whatever it was, whether it was discussion about the clear tactics before the match, whatever it was, they didn't, they're not, they're not world beaters, but they didn't play anywhere near the level that they can play at uh, the last day. And I, I think they're, they're kind of, it's a throwback to last year's All-Ireland a bit really, where, you know, the, Kilkenny had a lot to learn because Kilkenny, uh, the first day, they were spooked a bit by Galway's tactics and they changed their their modus operandi really for the first time ever, and uh, but but you know they got away with it and they got a draw. And the second day they just came out and you know they they said they 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 performed themselves and you know it, it it reminds me going back. I was surprised that Cork you know said afterwards that they were spooked by not spooked by the clear tactics, but they they spoke a lot about the clear tactics and maybe over concentrated mm-hmm. on that. You know which is which is totally unlike Cork. You know if you go back to '86 with with Johnny Clifford. They, against Galway when it was the first time a, a third midfielder. I mean, they basically just went up and played their own hurling. Now, I think they will do that. Now, whether that's good enough to be clear, I'm not so sure. I Sorry, I'm, I'm not so sure, but at the same time, I think they will play a lot better. Uh, I'd be surprised if Clare would win as many individual battles. I couldn't see it. I think, I think the, you know, that, that doesn't happen the way they obliterated the last day. It's not going to happen again. They, I, I think a lot of the clear fellas will find it hard to get to the same level they got to the last day, and um, I, I, I think this will be this will be a much tighter game for whatever reason. And I think that Clare will, you know, they may regret not being able to put that game away the last day. Yeah, <clears throat> Christy, just going back to last year and the the replay last year, is there a danger that that Clare and Davy Fitzgerald will overthink this from a tactical point of view? Because I think you know when you look back to last year in Galway. Maybe there was a, a, a thought there that, that Galway did get spooked by the, the whole idea of having to play two All-Irelands in, in three weeks. Um, I don't know. Like Just on the first one, 
Obviously, there's an awful lot of debate about whether Clare are going to play a sweeper now and um, you know conceding three goals the last day. I would feel that you know I would feel that Clare will go with the same approach again. Um, I, I don't think I you know they, they, I could be completely wrong. Um, they may play a sweeper, um, you know. But I think the one thing that Cork would have learned most from the last day is you know when 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 they like if you if you look at the way they they realign themselves a little bit differently after the break like they their half forward line played an awful lot deeper almost out to midfield and obviously they need they need them to engage more for break and ball because they were getting so hammered in that sector but you know so when when they did break the line and they have a bit of pace you know especially when Laham went out like has a bit of pace and when they can if they can break that line at pace you know that's when they cause clear damage like obviously Lahan's goal Cronin's goal came from those runs at deep, and that's that's the problem Clare have that when you don't have a sweeper there, you know the the, the team that's attacking you has that bit more confidence to attack the, the space at pace because they know that um you know there isn't a sweeper there, and you saw that like the one time that that, that Limerick got a goal chance early in the the All Ireland semi final, like you know Donlan got back and he you know he got enough on Graham Mulcahy swing to, to you know to to contaminate the shot, like, and Pat Kelly made a great save, so I suppose that's the one thing I would feel that, that Cork would have learned, and Cork would have taken an awful lot of confidence um, from the last day. To go back to your other point, I think, you know, really, a big part of last year's, um, the replay was, you know, the injury to James Scale, like, a, you know, on, on the Friday night, I just felt, from talking to even some of the Galway lads, and, you know, obviously from knowing James himself, like, he was trying to keep very, very positive, but, you know, I just think that there was so much talk about, you know, is Scale going to play? Is he not? You know, who are they going to bring in? Is it going to be Fergus Fannery? Is it going to be Colin Callan? You know, I just felt that Galway's focus was really, really affected in, you know, 48 hours before the game. And, you know, I think that had, you know, I think it drained a lot of mental energy from Galway. And I'm not saying that was the reason that, you know, they didn't perform to the same level. But um, I just think that that had a big factor in, 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 in Galway's performance, especially last year. All right, lads, predictions, Christy. Who's going to win in your second with Clare? I'm going to stick with Clare, but not with the same confidence I had the last day. But I just feel, I think Clare are a better team. I think they have better hurlers. I'm not saying that the 15 of them are all better hurlers. I just think Clare are a better team. But I'm not 100% sure if they can actually win the game, but I'm still going to go with them. Nicky, we've given you 20 minutes to work it out in your head. Who are you going for? <laughs> well, I, I actually think that Cork are so lucky to get the draw uh, that I think they're just as... I, I, I'm not sure they're as good a team as Clare are going to be in the future, but I think they just might sneak it this year, and, and uh, this will be one. This might be one that would have probably got away in, in Clare. Really, to be honest, I think I think Cork could be very dangerous. All right, looking forward to it, Nicky Chrissy. Great stuff. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Andrew, that's the question that's going to be asked, answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight, tonight, into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight, their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just, the bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. Second Captains Football. Available on irishtimes.com, Second Captains, and iTunes from 6 p.m. tonight. Tonight, 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 tonight. Woo! Nicky going for a cork in the end there, Murph. Yeah, uh, after quite a lot. After 20 minutes of both thinking, talking, listening to Chrissy O'Connor and answering some inane questions from us, he uh, he got there. He got there in the end. He's gone for cork. I was quite struck by how he read into comments that Clare players really enjoyed the first day out because I would have thought that's great. I would have yeah. thought that's a really good, nice, relaxed mindset for young players to have. But he's a little worried, Ken. He's a 
grizzled old hurling veteran. I should, I should take the word old out there. He's a grizzled hurling veteran, yeah. is Nicky English, if he's listening. And he says that essentially he kind of implies that you shouldn't enjoy these occasions too much. There should be some hardship involved and maybe Claire had it too easy the first day. Could be in for a rude awakening come Saturday. Well, I don't know. Is it, it's, I think there's, an, there's a temperamental uh, side there as well. Some people are only happy if they're suffering. And, you know, they feel guilty if they're having fun. Uh, and some people play better when they do feel like they're enjoying it. That was always, I know I always mentioned him on, but Johan Cruyff's advice to his players, <laughs> the last thing he told them before they went out Would there Would you was, shut up about Johan Cruyff? Sorry, sorry. What Karen. the hell is can going just, on here? Can I just say, what he used to say to the players was, just go out there and enjoy yourselves. Remember, enjoy yourselves. That's what, that's what the final's for. You know, get out there on the Wembley tour. I think he told them the same thing. Uh, when they played AC Milan in Athens then and then the Blues yeah. were 4-0. So it's not like it always worked, but that was his take on it. I'm not sure how enjoyable it would be. I'm sure surely it's, there's a very direct way of working out if it's enjoyable. If you play well and your team wins, it's yeah. enjoyable. If you play well and your team loses, it's mildly enjoyable. You'll have yeah. enjoyed, <laughs> you'll better, enjoyed parts of it. It's um, probably better than playing really badly in the team win. Is it? No. no, Ken, for God's sake. Uh, you really have you never score, been on a team Okay, you score a hat-trick. Yeah. You lose 4-3. Is that better than you get sent off in 20 minutes, the team wins 1-0? Yeah. Despite you. Yeah, Which is I better? So. Which is better? I think I think it's better in the in the long run. Maybe if during while the game is going on, obviously the hat-trick yeah, is Murph's, Murph's. So you think that Harry Kuehl, say, would remember the 2005 Champions League final with more pride than Ian Wright would the 1990 FA Cup? Final when he scored the two goals for pass and was an absolute. Ken, if you're asking me if Harry Kuehl is my Harry Kuehl example of an ultimate team off man, with his own supporters screaming that he was a coward at him, uh, <laughs> finished the day with a European Cup winners medal, which he still has. Yeah. What What would you What do you think? Do you I think Ian, I think Harry Kuehl didn't have a great day. Can Murph's experience of professional football would lead in your experience? In your experience, the game, what, what do you think you'd rather have? We've got to move on. Six o'clock tonight. That's yeah. <laughs> They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six days. I'm going to need it there. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I will go to Anfield and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you surely man? Second captain's football, Ken. Crisis at Liverpool. <laughs> All is well at Manchester United under David Moyes. Yes, that's uh, the narrative this week is that David Moyes is doing a bang job. Actually, David Moyes has now made the best man- uh, start to any uh, managerial career at Manchester United since Matt Busby, <laughs> um, which was a long time ago, which I suppose goes to show that most of the other managers were taking over a Manchester United team that had fallen apart and was doing really badly, um, whereas Moyes has taken over one that has really been quite, quite good for the last uh, yeah. 20-odd years. So... Uh, yeah, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, game. A couple of other things going right. on. I talk a bit of Dennis Bergkamp as well. Owen. Oh yeah, you never know. I see a Dennis Bergkamp book has arrived in. Stillness and speed, on today. Kenneth Egan is on the line, ready to talk after just attending the press conference to announce the team for the European Championships or the World Championships, I should say, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Good to chat to you, Kenneth. First of all, uh, how are you keeping? Yeah, all is good, you know, on this side. Um, looking forward to getting out to Kazakhstan on the 14th. Um, I'll be relaying information and scores and all types of Brilliant. stuff from out there. So uh, 
I'll just keep them back home up to date. It's a, it is an unbelievably strong team when you go through the list. But John Joe Nevin is the notable absentee. It's thought that he's going to go professional. That's certainly what the, the talk was or has been over the last couple of weeks. I understand Billy Walsh wasn't too keen to elaborate or talk about the absence of Nevin today. Well, in fairness, at the start of the press conference, we just kicked off with the World Championships and he presented his team that he had at the table with him. Um, there was no talk of John Joe Nevin until about 10, 15 minutes with uh, 15 minutes into it, a journalist obviously had to had to mention his name. Um, and Billy just gave a, an account. He said, look, I wish John Joe the best of luck. Um, he, he has decided not to go to the World Championships. Um, but for me, he hasn't signed any contract yet. Um, and the team had to be named and finalised by the 1st of September. So John John Evan he hadn't been in training camp. He hadn't turned up for certain camps. So they decided not to enter him into the competition thinking he was going to go professional, but yet he still hasn't signed. So I don't really know what's happening in regards to John John Evan, but he wasn't there tonight, obviously. But yet we still have a good, strong team going to the World Championships. Um, and it really is exciting times because we have five European medalists on the team. Uh, obviously, Barnes, Conlon, Ward is going to be a massive factor after coming back from injury. Really interested to see how he gets on out there. So it is a strong team. It's a young team too. And we obviously had then, you know, with Jason Quigley, European champions. Rare to go as well. <laughs> Yeah, and I do want to get back to the, the strength of the team because it is amazing when you look at it. But just on the Nevin thing, your own, your own thoughts on that, Kenneth. That, um, I, I, as we say, it's, it's a strange one, but it does seem kind of bizarre to me that he wouldn't present himself for the World Championships for any other reason than either injury or that he's going to go professional, which he almost did, of course, after the Olympic Games. Exactly. When he came back from the Games, we'll talk he was going to go with Armour Khan in England. Uh, then he, he turned around and he stayed amateur and went on there to win the European gold, which is an unbelievable achievement. So, Again, he's putting the feeder out there again that he's going professional. Um, for me, if he is going to go pro, he should go pro now. Now that he has the, the European gold and the Olympic silver. There is a big risk going to the World Championships and something going wrong where he gets cut early or he gets beaten in a forced fight. It won't look too good. You strike while you're in top. The pro game is about money. It's a, it's a business. Um, he's achieved all he needs to achieve in the amateur game, I feel. Uh, for him now, he needs to make the decision if he wants to go pro. Obviously, he can't go to the Worlds now because his name hasn't been entered, but for me, he should stick to his guns and take that leap, you know. Um, he has nothing to lose. Uh, unfortunately, he's not going to be on the team for the for the World Championships. He is a banker for a medal out there. He's medal at the last two Worlds. Uh, but I think he's made his decision now. Yeah, we just have to wait now and see who he actually goes with. When a boxer goes pro, Kenneth, I'm interested to know how it's viewed in the amateur game. Is it very much a guy would go with everybody's blessing or is it seen as... Not a failure. A failure is the exact wrong, wrong word. But is it is it seen as a loss? Are people generally really keen for within the amateur game to keep a guy like Nevin involved? Well, of course, I want you know it's all up to to the high performance team to, to have the best lads on the team and the sports council's interest to keep the guy as amateur. The likes of John Joe Nevin, you know, um, because he guarantees more medals. Um, but look. He has made a decision. You can't go groveling and chasing someone down. If they want to go pro, you have to let them go pro. And as Billy said in the press conference, rightly so, he wishes John Joe all the best in, in the future. And that's you know that's fair enough. Um, again, they can't go begging athletes to stay amateur and, and, and stuff like that and go around chasing them around the place. He's made his decision, and we just have to live with that, you know. It is a massive loss to the team, but don't forget, there's an awful lot more massive, uh, I suppose, teammates, you know, that are actually heading to the World Championships yeah. that have massive talent. I see Michael Conlon made the point that if he wins the world title, he might consider going professional himself because that, at that point, if you're a world champion, offers start 
flooding in and that mightn't be the case then in six months time or a year's time that's kind of a strange dynamic in a way that I get of course Billy Walsh and everyone's going to get this guy and these guys prepared to do as well as they can in the world championships but you can be a victim of your own success in a way if a guy like Conlon wins he might actually then leave the stable as well well it was kind of different for me because it took so long for me to get to the top as in reach the Olympics and, and you know obviously win that medal I was 26 when I won the medal but these lads that winning medals are an awfully of the early age, you know, mm. 19, 20, 21. So I think they have a taste of the of the of the medals, and then they say to themselves, "Right, I've won the medal. I want something different." For Michael Conlon, I've heard him say that he, he he would like to try the pro game. His brother Jamie is a is a is a professional, um. But it's up to the sports council and the the, the high performance team to keep these guys amateur for Rio. It's only around the corner. The likes of Michael Conlon, who has time on his hands, I I, I would like to see him stay back and give the Olympics another go. Uh, the Paddy Barnes. You know he's he probably he'll have these Olympics coming up Rio again. He's he's flying at the moment, um, but again the pro interest in him wouldn't be as great because of his weight. You know, um, but the, there always is going to be all these promoters out there that are looking for Irish Irish pros. You know, um, but it's just up to the high performance and the Irish sports skills to keep them happy. What was your own thought process, Ken? You did say that it was a maybe a different stage of your career when you achieved the international success, certainly when you achieved the Olympic success, but. Was it just about that? Was it just about an age thing, or was there something that kept you, that made you maybe reluctant to go professional? Well, after I came back from the games, you know, I was, I, 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 I've mentioned it many a times. I just couldn't handle the, the whole, the, the, the fame thing. You know, yeah. it hit me hard, uh, and there was nothing put in place for that uh, through the, the association or the other sports council, which has changed since. But I just couldn't handle the whole lot of it, and obviously I went down the wrong road and. There was talk of me going pro. I looked at contracts, and you know, a lot of boxers when they look at the contract in black and white, big bold writing, it'll it'll, it'll say five years. But in the small print, if you reach the top ten or top five in those five years, you have an extension of two years. If you become a world champion in those two years, the another extension for two years. So overall, it's a nine-year contract. So it's not just the five years you get in and you get out. You know, so they're the kind of things that people have to look at. Um, it's it's a massive decision, and for me, I wasn't ready to make that decision because I wasn't I wasn't all there, if you like. I couldn't make the decision. I was I was shying away from it. I didn't know what I was doing from day to day. Um, and for me, I didn't get to go pro. I don't have any regrets about it. I I changed my vision. I wanted to try and go for London. Obviously, it didn't happen for me. But uh, you know, that's boxing. That's sport, and it's it's it is a ruthless game. Kenneth, one more uh, absentee from the team is Darren O'Neill, who was tweeting today about feeling used and abused because he thinks he should have got a, at least a box off to give himself a chance of getting in there. Does he have a point on that? Well, he does have a point. A box off at probably not at 75 kilos, his original weight, but maybe up at 81 kilos. He could have had a box off because Joe Ward didn't medal last year at the Europeans. He's back f- fighting fit with his knee injury. Um, and maybe he should have got a box off with, with O'Neill. Um, I don't think he should have got the box off at midway because Jason Quigley is European champion. So I can't really argue that one. But maybe he should have got a box off with, with, uh, with Ward. But look, it's, it's down to the council at the end of the day. Again, Billy Walsh, he selects his team that he feels confident that he's working day in, day, no, day in and day out with. Yeah, he still has to bring the team that he thinks should go to the world to the, the central council. And then it's, the, it's them guys that have the last say, you know, which I think is a bit, a bit harsh. It should be down to Billy and solely Billy because... He's watching the lads day in, day out in the gym and knows who's strong and who's not. But for O'Neill, it's unfortunate. He'll have to wait for the National Seniors now in February. Will he do a 75 or 81? I, I don't know. Yeah, Quigley's a tough a tough guy to get on top of, I'd say, at this point. But just last word on the team that is there and the guys that are going out. You talked about how strong it is, how many champions there are. You've 
led a lot of great Irish boxing teams. Where we're at at the moment, this team that you're looking at, is that is it in terms of the depth there, would it be stronger than any team previously? Uh, well, uh, to be honest with you, it is going to be up there. Um, we have plenty of experience in the team, even though it's young. It's going to be all in the draw now. You know, World Championships are a massive occasion. The entries are going to be ridiculous in some ways. You could have 40 or 50 boxers in each way, whereas the Olympics, you're only level 28, you know. So you're going to have lads having six or seven fights in 10 days. And the fact that there's no head guards either, this is going to be a different kettle of fish. We're going to have some cuts, some bruises. Um, the rounds are changed as well, the 10-9 scoring, so you have to be aggressive for the whole three minutes. There's none of this. If you get a lead, you can you know, you know, can dance around the ring. You have to work for the whole duration of the time you're in the ring. It's a different sport altogether now. Time is changing, boxing is changing, so hopefully our lads will adapt quick in the early stages of the competition and go on then and pull some medals. All right, Kenneth, we leave it there. Listen, we'll uh, look forward to the updates from Kazakhstan. Thanks very much for chatting. Thanks a minute. Bye-bye. There is another strand to this, of course, not the men's team, but Katie Taylor who went very public in the last week or so with her issues, which essentially surround the fact that <laughs> she's an Olympic champion. She was the most famous person in the country a year ago. And this year, she has fought competitively once. And that was, as she says herself, in a tent with 100 people there at the EU Championships. You were at the Olympic Games last year, Ken. Yeah. The, the excitement around her was ridiculous. and it's, That was incredible. Yeah. And the excitement here is incredible. It's, it, it, I, I don't know what the... I actually don't know what the answer is besides making sure that there are structures in place, she fights competitively quite regularly. But she really was one of the, one of the major stars of the Olympics, not just yep. uh, in, in Ireland, because, I mean, obviously in Ireland, everyone was like, wow, Katie Taylor is world-class, world-class. I mean, she's ours, and she's actually going to win a gold medal for Ireland, wow. Um, which isn't the case for anyone else. But she had, wasn't she picked out in the closing ceremony? She did something in the closing ceremony with like four or five other athletes. She was kind of a part of that. Like she was one of the biggest stars there. The thing that I always remember is not actually even the fights, although the fights themselves were memorable. Just, it was, you know, the ultimate Irish bandwagon jumping um, experience. Yeah. You know, you see Bertie Hearn and this kind of people, you know, uh, all turning up for, for Katie Taylor's fight. But was when. Uh, Pat Hickey brought her down to the pub, uh, the Irish, so-called Irish House, which is the place near um, King's Cross. I forget the name of the pub now. It's just up the road from, from the railway station, King's Cross. And uh, for some reason, it was decided that uh, it would be appropriate to bring Katie Taylor to a pub. I mean, a stinking pub. Really late at night by that stage, I would say. It was about 10, maybe half 10. Maybe maybe even a little bit later. But I think it was the actual day that she'd won the yeah. medal. And, you know, as far as I... I mean, I heard afterwards that she was brought down to this place before she'd even had a chance to have anything to eat or, you know. It was like... I, I don't know. There was some reason why Pat Aggie felt important yeah. to bring her to the pub. But it was like, uh, you know, really... Like, it's it's probably over 40 degrees in there. There was, seemed to be no ventilation whatsoever. Everybody's drinking. Everyone's sweating. It was really disgusting. You know, it was this black hole of humanity. And then suddenly, oh, Katie Taylor's in the pub. And you can, there was a stampede. There was literally like a, a stampede of people towards, crushing towards, it was incredibly dangerous. It was ridiculous. Everyone craning forward with their, and they're all off balance because they have their hands above their head holding their phones. You know, so it looked like these tentacles, like all these te- with these glowing eyes in the top, like stretching out towards Katie Taylor, who kind of stood there nervously. Like, I mean, what, she, what do you say? It was actually impossible for her to be in that place because of how, how her presence was making people behave. And so everyone was crushing and crowding forward. And eventually, they, you know, she was in there for about two minutes. They had to take her out. Michael Ring was there. He gave a speech. I don't remember what he said, but he was there. 
basking in the reflective yeah. glory of Katie Taylor. Maybe if some of these guys can lend a hand now, I don't know, that could be part of the answer, but we are going to have to wrap things up for this show. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thanks very much, Ken. Thank you, and thank you, Karen. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for listening. We'll see Thanks. you for a second. Thanks, Captain's Football. It's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 